Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 2nd, 2018. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Groundhog Long. It's February 2nd, 2018. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I've got Groundhog Long. <laughs> we need I, I got you, babe, playing in the background, right? <laughs> Love that movie. Oh, it's awesome. That's one of my uh, uh, well, guilty pleasures or whatever. When you, it's on, you have to finish watching it. You, I, I cancel everything. Especially when he's driving with the Groundhog on the oh, steering wheel. Oh, Love it. It's in that yeah. truck. He's in that flatbed truck or whatever you call it, the <laughs> pickup truck. And he's like, whoa, whoa. And then he takes off. And Chris Elliott's like, and he might not be dead. And then it explodes. <laughs> and you're like, no, he is. <laughs> My favorite scene, though, is when he's going through the diner and telling everybody their their life story. <laughs> Love that movie. Groundhog Day, Bill Murray. Great, Bill Murray. And it's a great holiday. I mean, I know it's not really a holiday, but it's a, it's an annual event. Maybe that's it. It's a great annual event. Right? Yeah. I, I know it's stupid and cheesy and cliche, but uh, I like waking up on February 2nd and finding out what the rat said, you know. Um, and, you know, it's all over by, like, 6.30, and then people go on lives. But I look forward to it, so. I mean, I totally um, see you as Bill Murray's brother <laughs> in Safety Harbor with the hat on and pulling out some rat from a box and as city commissioners saying, all right. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day. Never never made it up there yet, so. Yeah, but, that's that's like Pittsburgh area, isn't it? Uh, no, it's like out in the middle of nowhere. That's the problem. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's it's really not convenient to get to, and you have to commit to it. And being Pennsylvania in February, it's yeah, super cold. Super so cold. Yeah. I don't do that. So, but but anyhow, we're not we're waxing on about Groundhog Day all day. I actually thought uh, I thought it was funny when I was putting the, the show notes together. I'm like, I, I did the same thing you did. It's just like you know we keep repeating everything, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, is there something in poker that we keep repeating even though we know better? And I knew I had one right away, so that's why I put it on the show notes, but. Uh, you had no idea I was doing that, so I don't know whether you have one. But is oh, there, sure. Is there a mistake that you keep doing? Sure, that you I cannot keep, stop. I keep sitting down and playing. That's my mistake. <laughs> I should. I just keep doing it. I really shouldn't do it, but I keep doing it, and I never get it right, which is why I keep having to go back and do it. <laughs> just like Bill Murray, he never gets the day right until you know. I read an article too that you know, even though it's the movie, it takes two hours to watch the movie. They said in reality, he actually was like. Living that day over ten thousand times. Wow! Yeah, oh, they, it was hey. like they didn't show every one of them, obviously, but they said, like the writers of it actually envisioned that he actually went through it like ten thousand times before he got it right. So that's basically me at the poker table in a nutshell. <laughs> I have to play ten thousand times before I actually have a good session. <laughs> so, I don't believe that, but that's uh, all. But yeah. um, I, I think uh, when we're taking this seriously, I think maybe my mistake is um, that I'm never aggressive enough. Never aggressive enough. Like, I, I always say to myself, okay, when you get to this table, if these people are passive, it's time to turn it on and just do some re-raising. I never re-raise. I always just raise my first time, or I only re-raise when I know it's the perfect move. or when I, You know what I mean? So I think my biggest that I always do is I never, ever follow through with what I know is going to be the right play of a re-raise or something. I just, for some reason, a lot of times I don't do it. Or I settle into my normal routine instead of sticking with the plan that is working you know and so that's my thing i always constantly do shit like that i don't know why hmm interesting uh mine is jack 10 i cannot lay off of jack 10 you know i feel like um uh the little sister in league of your own you know yep <laughs> can't lay off the high ones, high right? ones yep uh 
I just know Jack Ted gets me in so much trouble. And so every session I sit down, every tournament I sit down, and I'm like, I'm not going to play Jack Ten out of position. I'm not going to play Jack Ten out of position. Look down under the gun. Ooh, Jack Ten, raise. <laughs> raise, too. You won't even entertain a limp. No, no, raise, and then raise. like all in on the open end, straight uh, flop, and then brick, brick, and boom. Nice game. See you yeah, later. Yeah. I, I just I can't. It's so frustrating to me because you know I think I'm a smart guy, right? I think I'm somewhat disciplined as well too, and it should be really easy. It should be really easy to tell yourself quit playing Jack Ten out of position. You know what it is? I, it's that you. I know it. I think of it when I see it, and I'm like, I still got whoop, race. I'm like, what am I doing? I know two things I think contribute to that to you. One, you were in love with Queen Ten, and now you've just filled the right. gap. Oh uh, yeah, but, I, I downgraded the jack ten. Yeah, now. but you filled the gap. So, and the other thing <laughs> is that you started out as a limit player, and so right. you still see jack ten as oh, I'm going to raise with this under the gun and and get you know people to think I have a big hand, and I'm going to draw for the straight because it's limit, and that you got to get away from that. It's crap. Exactly. I, I think part of it too is I, I it's just it feels so good when you hit a straight with jack ten, right? Yeah. Because it's the nuts. No matter which way it is, it's the nuts, right? Yeah. And so it feels good when you hit that because then you feel confident about how you play the rest of the hand. Um, I mean, it may not be the nut hand, obviously, but it's the nut straight. And so, you know, you just want that to happen. I mean, how many times do you get like five, six of hearts and you just hope it comes two, three, four? Yeah. Hearts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because it feels so good when that happens, right? And that's the problem. It's it's like a drug and it. it it only feels good for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the the famous line from Super System, right? Jack Ten's the only hand that makes five nut straights, right? You know, I don't know. So I just want it to be stronger than it really is, and I mean, it, it could be the ugliest girl to dance. I'm going to dance with it every single time. Can't so, help it. So that's your groundhog hand. From now on, it's going to be called Jack Ten's going to be called groundhog. There we go. We're going to call it the groundhog. I All like right, it. Very good. Very good. All right, well, the nomination panel for the annual American Poker Awards has been giving a suggested list of contenders, which the panel's votes will whittle down to four official nominees in each category. And Anti-Up and its fans are being shown some love, Chris. Yay! Uh, Anti-Up was on the list of contenders for Podcast of the Year and Mid-Major Circuit of the Year. Anti-Up fan Steve Pavlicek is listed as possible for Poker Moment of the Year. Former Anti-Up columnist Jonathan Little is in the running for Poker Content of the Year and Video Blogger of the Year. And Ben Irwin, Poker Director at Thunder Valley Casino Resort, home of the Antioch World Championship, is being considered for Industry Person of the Year. Uh, we'll let you all know when the official list of nominees is announced, and the winners will be announced in Beverly Hills on February 17th. Because when you think of Poker, Chris, you think of Beverly Hills. Uh, you absolutely do. But we have to tell everyone, they can go and nominate us. Like, right? They can go click on and vote. Uh, no, to, no, I think it's right? just a nomination panel. I think you have to be invited to do that, I believe. I just went and did it. I'm not, not am I invited? Yeah, I think, I think we're both on the panel. Oh, okay, well, I just did it. I, I nominated myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, because... Uh, as did I. And I wrote in Antioch World Championship as an uh, event of the year, too. Yeah. Was like, yeah. Oh, but, you know, that's the only one I did today. The rest, rest I, I, I went with the list that they gave us, but... Um, but no, I, I think that's, they've kind of changed things up every year they've done. This is the fourth year of it, and uh, I think we've talked in the past that it, there's still a, a very heavy West Coast big company bias in here, and you saw that in the yep. and the suggested list of nominees. But the fact that we got uh, so much love there is, is good. And, you know, hey, it might be an outside chance that we actually make the top four because it's the top four nominees that they will announce here soon. Um, and then the other thing, too, um, you know, as a kind of disappointed, I went through the whole thing. There's 15 uh, category, 15 of the 20 categories the nomination panel uh, gets to say in. Uh, and I got to the end, and I'm like, Charity Initiative of the Year isn't here anymore. And, uh, and then I went back and looked, and it's not part of the nomination panel. It's actually going to be selected by the Global Poker Index team. Hmm. Uh, but that's always the thing I hope for. I just hope, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to get word to them about our Restock the Shelves initiative. But I, I'm really, really proud of that, I think. Yeah, I'm not proud too. But particularly that, and that would be nice to be honored. But uh, but it's good to see that we're at least we at least got a chance. We're saying we got a chance. It's right? true. The squeaky wheel gets the uh, the grease, man. We've been arguing for this for four years. Oh, uh, and, and I don't think there was a snub for us on the again. It's, I don't know what you call this. I call it the list of contenders. It's not nominees, right? It's yeah. possible nominees. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a slight. I mean, uh, you know, maybe poker content of the year. You would think one of the best magazines in the country covering poker would be there, but we don't do any specific 
journalism that rises to that level, I don't think. Right. Uh, I mean, we're doing good bread and butter, fried chicken kind of coverage, and that's fine. That's what we want to do. So it's you know, not award winning. It's just good for our readers. So right years so, ago, years ago, we sort of when we were smaller and we had to do stuff to fill pages and stuff. We were doing some serious cover stories and that needed to be you know every month it was a different you know some sort of write up that we were doing but still even so we, we we've been around for a decade you know and we're providing a lot of content as a media company you know so someday I and mean, they're recognizing us it's taking it a little bit but maybe we'll get in maybe we squeak into one or two nominations this time and then they take us more seriously and then maybe next year we're up there for initiative and uh who knows? So we'll see. We still could even be in for initiative this year. We don't know. We don't know what they're going to – they're probably going to go with someone who donated $3.5 million or something, but you never know. You know it, always, it always seems to be one uh, one big event. Like It was like uh, the Tiger Woods thing once before yeah, that. Yeah. So, I mean, and they're all good. I mean, all charity events are good, right? But yeah. I, I just think our, our thing is so much different and unique and does so yeah. much interesting good um, <laughs> that – you know, anybody can put together a list of celebrities and have a bunch of people plunk down a lot of money to play poker with them. You know, it serves a purpose, and I'm glad there's events like that out there, but it, it's not that hard. I, mean, I think what we've done is harder to corral 40 rooms around the country to do their own promotions and stuff. And uh, speaking of restock the shelves, hopefully we'll by next week we'll have the totals for this year, but it's looking pretty good so far. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's my favorite time of the year to be honest with you because we're always these emails, especially this time because we did it across a month instead of one day, so like the emails are trickling in from everyone with their results and uh, the pictures of the cans and everybody smiling and holding checks and it's just it feels so good that all these people are going to get fed and because we're part of it it's it's really excellent so very excellent. very very exciting. And then I do want to give a special shout out to Steve Pavlicek here. That's pretty cool that uh, you know an one time Annie Up fan. Uh, folks remember he was the one where his. Uh, one of his poker buddies wanted to play in the World Series main event, but passed away before he had the opportunity. And in his will, uh, willed uh, buy-ins for the whole home game. Yep. And, and Pavlicek went out and actually cashed in the main event. Yep. So it was really a good poker moment of the year. And uh, as soon as I saw that listed on there, I'm like, click. Can I click that twice? Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, told... I uh, really hope for him as well too. So we'll, I told we'll uh, I told the wife about that again last night and how he used possibly nominated for that and she got like all choked up it's just a great story it really is yeah. so i'd love to see it get recognized so i voted for and, it. and i hope people take the time to to i mean one of the good things they did this year on the on the nomination panel thing is they they had a double list so the top was yeah. the initial list with links so you could go and actually read about them or, or learn about them and then the bottom was just a checkbox for the vote um, so I hope so. People take some time to to actually click through and learn this if they haven't heard that story. But that that story got you know pretty good play, not just from us. I mean, it was on the ESPN and everything as yeah, well too. Exactly. Several. So hopefully people knew about it. But uh, all right, well we'll see though. So nominees will be announced probably soon, and then uh, of course the award ceremony on February seventeenth. Very exciting. Any updates? Viquiva Hotel and Casino near Phoenix will host the Any Up Spring Poker Classic Any Up Poker Tour event March twenty second to the twenty fourth. The winner of the $300 buy-in 50K guarantee main event will appear on the cover of the April issue of Annie Up Magazine and get an entry into the 2018 Annie Up World Championship main event. For more information, including satellite schedule and special room offer, visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash V-E-E-Q-U-I-V-A. That's V-E-E-Q-U-I-V-A. And Yigi, and that's spelled Y-I-G-G-I-Y, is a new Annie Up partner looking to eventually host a $2 million free roll in Las Vegas. For now, they are looking for beta testers for their free-to-play online product, and those who are eligible by state law and who take part will be entered into nightly $100 free rolls and more. To sign up, visit yiggy.com. That's Y-I-G-G-I-Y dot com. Took a little any up spelling bee today. <laughs> for palindromes. The Kiva. <clears throat> yeah, is, are you, is it Kiva or Quiva? I think it's Quiva. Quiva, yeah. No, I don't know what it is. That's why I'm asking you. That's why I did it again, so I could repair it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know but what you it know is. You know how the kid's like, can you, they had to repeat it twice, and then can you use that in a sentence? <laughs> what is the origin of that word, please? <laughs> can you use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> Scott mispronounces Viquiva every time he there says it. There we go. It. Perfect. Viquiva. <laughs> Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This comes from Tom Jones. It's not unusual to get a spotlight from this guy. 
we had a we had a writer at the Times. He's still there now. That Tom, he's yeah. a good friend of mine, and uh, his, his name is Tom Jones. And we always just whenever he would call up, we knew he was coming, or we would all think of different songs and how much underwear did you get this time? And oh, yeah, I was gonna say, did you walk in the office and throw underwear? Around <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. <laughs> but this is not him. So Tom Jones says, my buddy is somewhat new to poker. He's only played for about a year, and this was only his third time playing a cash game in a casino. At this casino, they have a bad beat jackpot that tops out at $2,500. Hmm, a bad wow, beat jackpot a, that tops out. Huh. You see, yep. I don't believe that could possibly happen. Probably helps the poker economy, doesn't Jeez, it? You would think that this might help this guy pay some bills if he hits it. I wonder if he's going to take some money and keep playing. Well, my friend won the hand when his four queens beat aces full of queens. Uh, if you add what was in the pot, my friend uh, ended up with a little over $1,100 in front of him. This is one two no limit hold'em. The loser got 1250 Then the rest of the table split the rest of the money, which there wasn't much left. After it was, <laughs> holy cow. Seemed like it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he says, after they had gotten their money, which was put in play, ah, gee. Uh, uh, money put in play. Put in play. It's, it's as if we wrote this. I think Tom Jones is the fake name. I think Scott wrote this just to prove our point. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the guy that got the twelve fifty was under the gun, and another guy at the table jokingly said, "You should just shove it in." The guy looked at his cards, shrugged his shoulders, smiled, and went all in. The table laughed, but when everybody folded, my friend he saw he had pocket kings. He said he'd obviously never had that much money on the table, and he didn't want to lose it all to the guy who had uncovered, so he just folded. Everybody else did too. The other guy turned over Jack Eight offsuit. And the table laughed and moved on to the next hand. My friend was kind of upset. He played three more hands and left with a huge profit. He told me about the hand later and asked what I would do, and I honestly couldn't tell him the answer. Keep in mind, we know the right move is to call here, but there were other factors. We don't make a lot of money, so $1,100 is a huge payday for either of us. Losing it would have been devastating. While we knew he was ahead of the guy... He felt like calling and losing would have bugged him more than just folding and being happy with the $1,100. Either way, he was able to pay off some debts, uh, even took his wife out to a nice dinner, something they rarely get to do. He can afford to uh, the occasional $200 buy-in, but had he lost that hand, it would have been a pretty big blow to his mental psyche. You know, I, I, I think I'm going to agree with your theory that I wrote this, just to make a lot of points. <laughs> It's unbelievable. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. But yes, he is making a lot of points here, right? This last part about the blow, the mental psyche. How many times have I talked about that? And how many times have our listeners bashed me for it because they say you shouldn't make decisions, uh, suboptimal decisions. You should always be playing optimally, right? Right. But we're humans and we have to factor in the human, um, what being a human is at the table, right? right. So. And this is what I talk about all the time with cash games. You know, if you if you don't have if the money is too much for you to play with, um, or if it's a tournament that you've you know your whole life, like Steve Pavlicek, you've been hoping to get to the main event of the World Series, and you don't want it to end on the first hand, so you do something suboptimally, so you don't lose on the first hand, right? Right. And while in a poker sense, a technical sense, that's probably a mistake, as Tom said. It, the right move was probably a call there. Uh, the writer move <laughs> would be to protect your psyche. So, um, and I mean, just imagine, I mean, you go from this uh, euphoria, right? I mean, you just won $1,100 at a 1-2 game, right? Mm, yeah. <clears throat> and on the very next hand, it's all gone. Not only is it all, it all gone, it's, you know, everything you had there is gone. Uh, if you can handle that roller coaster of emotion, by all means, go ahead and shove it in and hope that your hand holds up and double up. But I don't think a lot of people can, but particularly the way he's described the situation. So the way he's described the situation, I think this is the actual perfect move here. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what to say. I, I think I call just because it was a windfall in the first place, and I don't have to worry about paying my bills like that. So... I think I probably call, but in his situation and everything he described, plus being new to poker, you know, who knows? The guy could have ace deuce, and now you're racing the ace like you're doing any other thing, and you, you know, so. Um, I mean, you could have anything. You could have deuce four. It could go four four x. Right, right. Your, you know, so there's lots of things that could, could happen. So I mean, obviously, you would think you'd be a favorite with his hand, but 
Anything you know, can happen. No, and the guy could literally have guess, aces, too. You don't know that he had jack eight, you know. How right, devastated would you have right. been if he actually was ahead of you and then you knew there's no chance of you winning unless you flopped the set? So um, I, don't, I don't really fault him uh, for doing that at all. Uh, I also remember one time on the ship playing 1-3 no limit hold'em, winning like a $1,250 pot and, uh, with pocket queens, and like four guys went all in when the flop came queen 10-10. And I had tops, uh, uh, top boat. And one guy had aces. One guy was drawn to a nut flush. Or, you know, it came queen, it came like queen 10 deuce. That's what it was. Somebody had a set of tens. I had a set of queens. Some guy had aces. Another guy had the nut flush draw. And then I, it, it boated up uh, to the deuce and I won. So I won like a $1,200 pot in, in one, two, one, three game, which never happens. And I remember sticking around for like two more hands and going, yeah, I'm getting out of this. Just because you don't want to lose that feeling of, I just want a huge pot. I don't want to lose like 300 of it. And then be like, well, I'm only up eight or nine now, you know, or something. So you want to save that feeling. You want to preserve it for as long as possible. I really don't fault this guy for doing it, especially since he's new to poker or somewhat new to poker, as he said. So um, I don't have a problem with this, really. And I would say the other thing I, I wrote back is that he also can't be upset by this, right? Because everybody has a right to play their hands however they want. Yep. And obviously players were goading this guy into going all in, which I guess is technically a form of collusion. But, you know, that's a stretch, right? Right. And the guy the guy made a decision to put all of his chips in the pot. Uh, he did not take away your decision. You still have a decision to make. You could, if you wanted to play that hand, you could have played that hand. Uh, obviously, you would have preferred it to be played out traditionally, right? Yeah. Um, but... Everybody at the table gets to play their hand however they want, so you can't be upset. I, I don't think you should be upset. There's no, be I, upset I totally that. agree. So, I totally agree. I think, and, that, and there's also a case to be made if you if he just did his normal. This guy did a normal three X right way, and of course he's Jack A. He probably would have folded. But I mean, there's nothing to say that your Keaton's would have won a traditional hand here either, right? You could have right. got up against somebody with Ace Deuce and spiked the Ace, and you could have lost. So. um you know, so would have, should have, could have. So we don't know what could happen. So, you know, the guy made a big bet. He got you off your kings. More power to him. So move on to the next hand. Absolutely. Okay. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is set up of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Annie Up Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. Comes from Annie Up, Michigan Ambassador Joshua Jetton. He says, I was playing a tournament at a local casino when the dealer accidentally exposed a jack of spades while dealing out the hands. He replaced it with the top at the top of the deck. The flop came ten ten deuce. I checked and my opponent checked. The dealer went to burn and realized that there were two burn cards sitting to the left of the flop. The dealer had burned twice before the flop the exposed jack of spades, and an additional card. What should the ruling be? The floor was called, and I felt the ruling was strange. The floor decided that there was no action. I had felt that check-check was certainly significant action. No. And to replace the entire deck with the flop and burns in the order they came out. Third burn first, then the flop in the order they came out. And then the second burn card, and finally the jack of spades. After that, the jack was reburned, and the correct flop was dealt 10-4 deuce. The floor then wanted the dealer to to deal the turn immediately because we both had checked. I argued the new flop deserves new action. It says, wow, this is all kinds of wrong. Uh, it says, TDA rule 36, substantial action. Substantial action is either A, any two actions in turn, at least one of which puts chips in the pot. For example, any two actions except two checks or two folds. Or B, any combination of three actions in turn, check, bet, raise, fold, or call. The supervisor was apparently correct that the, that two players had acted and therefore substantial action had not occurred. This was his first mistake. He stated the dealer went to burn. The action by the dealer proceeding with the hand is the third action of the betting round and establishes substantial action. More significantly, action was offered and accepted by you and your opponent on the flop that was in place at the time of the betting. Combining the established substantial action with action offered and accepted means the flop was supposed to stay. The other major error was the tragically wrong interpretation of action offered and accepted. Once the flop was changed out, the two actions were to be disregarded, 
and the betting round replayed. No action was offered and accepted on the new flop, and therefore a betting round that counts for those cards must take place. I fail to see any logic in replacing a flop and then not allowing any betting to occur based on the new flop. Having dealt with poker players and poker dealers for well over two decades, I've seen logic that has been pulled and twisted more than saltwater taffy in Atlantic City. <laughs> the betting was complete and established enough for the two checks to stay in place. How was the flop not established enough to withstand the very same two checks? In summary, you were mostly right, and the supervisor was wrong. Yeah, this is pretty bizarre. When I hear, when I hear stuff like this or I read stuff like this, I, I often wonder if like this stuff gets back to the poker room manager and then the manager sits down with these people and says, hey, here's how you really screwed up. you know, Or if poker room managers ever hear about us talking about it on the show or reading it in the magazine and saying, hey, you see this right here? This was a classic case of X. And you shouldn't be doing that. Elliot is showing you the right way to do it, and you guys should read this column or listen to this show or, or whatever, or read this book or read that TDA website. You know, because some of this stuff is just—it makes zero sense that when that new flop came out, you don't let them. <laughs> what if it came out king queen seven? You know, which it couldn't because they knew you were using those cards. But still, it, how do you not let them act on that four now? It, it doesn't make right. any sense. Yeah, it's a completely different board now. So. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't know how they like in theory too, like these four people, they're not hired like they don't put an ad in the paper and a guy who never heard of anything about poker just shows up and says, Hey, I want to be your floor. These are getting their position because they're experienced, they've been around, they've seen it all, and they should know all these rules and what makes sense and common logic and you know, they're not using it. How do you come up with that answer? Or, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I, I will defend them to the degree that they're humans, since we're talking about humans on the show, and groundhogs, but um, that it is possible to make a mistake or get confused. Um, it's tough to argue that you can get this confused, but um, but that does tend to happen with humans from time to time. Um, but uh, to your point, I, I do know that we have uh, poker personnel that listen to the show and because occasionally we will get an email from a floor asking us for Elliot's take on a ruling that they made. So that's good. Um, and I hope, I hope you're right. I hope that, uh, you know, we purposely take out the names of casinos here. So we're not trying to embarrass anyone. Right. You know, we kind of, if I know where it was, I'll, I'll put the state in there because sometimes the ruling depends on a particular state. Cause some states have different rules than others. Um, but that, that's all I try to do because we're not trying to embarrass anyone. But you're right. I, I would think that you know every week we're giving a good lesson to all the poker room managers and poker supervisors out there on situations. And they don't have to necessarily agree with Elliot's take, but it is a, a teachable moment. And then, uh, you know, so I would like to think that some poker rooms out there have regular, you know, what we call the times, brown bag sessions, right? <laughs> you bring yeah. your lunch yeah. and, and talk about some of these harder situations. So you uh, their staff can have those discussions and, and understand some of the reasons that things are made. So when weird stuff like this happens in the room, they're better prepared for it. But um, maybe that's wishful thinking. But I, I hope some of that's going on. Yeah, I do too. And like I said, I, I mean, you obviously congratulations come up with the weakest argument for defending someone ever by saying they're human. Um, but <laughs> but no, I agree uh, that you know we make we all make mistakes. We make mistakes in the magazine all the time. We make mistakes with our business. Th- things happen. Um, but when you're sitting there in the moment and you're like, somebody's got to be talking to this person and saying, pleading with them, saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, really, just think about it for a minute. It's now 10-4, Deuce. How can you make us stand by our checks if the board changes? The board changing is just like action changing. You can't now expect us both to want to check that board. It's a different board, you know, and so, yeah. Um, well, anyway. and that's what I said. I mean, the level of mistakes here is inexcusable but i would say i think i i wouldn't i don't know what the poll we could take on poker personnel but, but um i thought it was interesting that elliot mentioned that the third action was the dealer participating yeah you know because a lot of what you remember is the dealer is not a should not be a participant in the hand right so i could see how a you know an up-and-coming poker floor we could, could get that confused or not understand that concept without it being explained so but but you're right. After that, the rest of it, then I'm like, you know, now you got to take a step and go. Wait a minute, <laughs> you know, it's a new flop. So people need to be able to to act on that flop. I mean, that's that's pretty much common sense. 
Well, one of my favorite things uh, on our show is when we get to complete an O'Malley's move. We're going to do that today. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, and for the next several weeks, we'll be playing in a very friendly, very low stakes, 5 cent, 10 cent, no limit hold'em home game. Three of these hands will include king-queen. We're familiar with these players, as we tend to sit in this game about twice a month. Everyone buys in for 20. We're seven-handed, the the under-the-gun folds, the plus-one calls, and we're next to act with the king of clubs, queen of clubs. This is a pretty decent hand, and with about $23 in our stack, we're going to make it 40 cents to go. It's folded back around to the plus-one, a pretty solid player who sits with around her starting stack of $18, and she calls. There's 95 cents in the pot, and the flop is the king of spades, jack of diamonds, ten of hearts. A pretty interesting flop, and after our opponent checks to us, we fully intend to take this one down with a c-bet. We make it 65 cents to go, but she calls. There's a whopping $2.25 in the pot, and the turn is the jack of hearts. Our opponent once again checks. We don't like this card, and we're really not sure what she could be doing here so we check behind. With the pot the same, the river is a blank, tray of spades. Our opponent leads out for $1.50. Huh? What's the move? This is easy. We're either way behind or she's bluffing. <laughs> Your uh, favorite thing to say. <laughs> Both are plausible with how this hand played out. So not to wimp out, out and give a boring answer, but I'm going to wimp out and give a boring answer. Uh, but this is one of those gut check calls when we have to stare into the soul of our opponent. I always like stare into the soul of our opponent. You know, if I, if I had a band, that's what I would call it. Stare into the soul of your opponent. And it would be ironically uh, named. All right, go ahead. Just <laughs> go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, we have to stare into the soul of our opponent for the answer. Uh, since I can't do that, I'm calling and hoping to win uh, and I'm satisfied with good information, if not. Well, we're only behind a big made hand, it seems, uh, that was walking the dog. That's really the only thing that we're really behind. But I think a jack likely bets that turn. I, I, I don't see how the jack doesn't try to make some money now. So I think we're ahead and we're calling. So I'm going to call. Here's what happens. Hello again. I'm really not sure what to make of this, but I think the key lies in our play and not hers. We raised preflop and bet the flop. We could very easily have something like queens, queen ten since it's shorthanded, nines maybe. We slowed down on the turn when the second jack showed up and it went check check. Then, since we checked the turn, our opponent led the river sensing weakness or perhaps a low confidence in our premium starting hand. All things considered, wouldn't a jack have bet the turn? I guess maybe not jack ten, but I think we might be good here. We make the call and our opponent tables king of diamonds, ten of diamonds. Phew, we got lucky there. After a quick conversation, she confirms that she had us on queens, and we move on to the next hand. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes the clue is in your play, not your opponent's. Try to figure out what story you've been telling before acting. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, a little too close to comfort. A little too close for comfort for me. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's got to change the file now. Make sure it's it's, it's a great TV show too. You think I want to get that I right? Know, I a little too close to comfort for me, but uh, but I'm glad we got the pot. Um, <laughs> and I also want to say too, we didn't mention this, but uh, I think this is gonna be good. I think yeah, I, if I'm correct, uh, we're gonna have a couple of hands here that are in this five cent, ten cent home game, which I think is really going to uh, be interesting to discuss because you know now we're getting into stakes that don't really have consequences, right? Well, it depends. Depends on how much money. I mean, some people can only afford twenty bucks a week. Well, I, I'm saying stakes that don't bother us, right? Oh, don't so bother us. Yeah. If you and our home game guys came over and we played five cent, ten cent, it would be a completely different game than the game we normally we play, right? We need to do that. <laughs> we don't play anymore, so we might as well play for five cent, ten cent, and just make it a blast. Everyone buys oh. in for five hundred oh. bucks, and we play five cent, ten cent. Ten Come cent. on, that would be <laughs> really awesome. Stacks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, the right. stack uh, is a thing. <laughs> it, it made sense to me, and that uh, was a good call. I think you're right. I, I don't know about all that soul business, but uh, <laughs> soul, you're bringing up soul business in a forty cent pot or whatever, dollar fifty. 
But, uh, yeah, it made sense to me. I thought it had to be walking the dog, big hand, and and or, or not. And it wasn't, so I called. Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you are listening to the Antioch Poker Cast. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And uh, we got some new hands of the week that came in this week, so we will have fresh names on a later show. Uh, but as I promised last week, we are going to do the second of two hands from... Our the third host of the show, let's call him. <laughs> yeah. G. yeah, we don't want to call him the co-sponsor of the hand of the week, but uh, he, yeah, he's like our he's like our new Faso, except we never heard his voice. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So if you guys all remember last week, uh, he was in this uh, one two dollar one dollar two dollar no limit hold'em game, pointed our max buy it at his local Florida poker room. And uh, ended up with uh, the same villain in this hand as the last hand. Uh, I'm not going to repeat the whole last hand. So you can no, go back but he had Jack show. Four at the end. That's what you have to remember. That is true. That is true. Um, all right. So uh, he says this time seat five is under the gun. And again, he opens for a raise to $11. Uh, I think he's still beating himself up from the previous hand. And we look down. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. An attractive jack of hearts, ten of hearts. <laughs> What's the move, Groundhog? <laughs> I didn't even play that. This is so funny. Oh, my gosh. I love when that happens. It's the Groundhog hand. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's the move here? Uh, wh- where are we in position? I forgot. Uh, not under the gun. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Last I week, I'm trying to find the notes here. Seats two and three and five and callers. Big bets. I'm trying to see where we are. Uh, it's not yeah. saying it. Loose passive. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where we are, but we're obviously after him. So, um, we, we were just before hijack last hand, so I, I'm guessing probably we're in the hijack this hand. Does that make sense? <clears throat> I guess if if we're if we're thinking this guy really is reeling from the last hand, it could have anything. Then I'm gonna just call. There's no reason to raise, and I I mean yeah, because you want to get the position on the guy and all that. But this is the type of hand where if it hits, it's kind of disguised. You know, if it, if it comes, the flop comes queen nine eight. You know what I mean? People can put together jack ten, but you know they're not really doing that. And it's it's suited. It's the connector. You're in probably going to be in position. Maybe you do something like a min raise or something. But if this guy's steaming, and then you min raise him, and then he shoves on you, and you you know you're losing twenty two bucks for nothing or twenty five bucks or whatever you want to make it. So I don't know. Let's just mix it up a little and call. I don't know if you you might have misheard me. It's Jack of Hearts, Ten of Hearts. <laughs> oh, Groundhog! Is, I'm sorry. All right, all let's raise. Raise. Cannot lose with his hand, Chris. But he's not on a position under the gun, so <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, no, I absolutely agree, and not, not to speak because I am trying to. I am. Um, you, babe, uh, waking up every morning. I'm out here with Jack Ten. Um, hand has a lot of potential. See, this is what I tell myself, right? And then I can't get away from it. So I, but it does have a lot of potential. And uh, he's under the gun, so you got to give him a little bit of credit for having a real hand and raise. So let's call in the flop big. And, of course, if we flop not so big, but a little bit, we're still going to go all in. That's what we do. <laughs> You're still going to lose a lot of money with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Vic says, I think a little push might topple seat five. So Bolden was my big stack. I'm in the mood to poke him. Oh, interesting psychological argument. So I might be able to buy that. Because so I think another min raise to twenty dollars should do the trick. Remember, three bets are rare at this table. Only premium hands should call, uh, and their entire stack will be at risk. I don't often min raise, but when I do, I'm tired. Uh, but I do in both of these hands. Uh, it's also a probing raise uh, when you're seated with unknown players. If one of them pipes up. That the raise has to be twenty-two dollars, double the bet. Then he might be a novice player, especially if he argues with the deal after being told that nine-dollar raise is fine. Wow, Vic is always operating on this eighth level, right? Jeez. Uh, anyway, I pick up three callers as well as our villain in seat five, and I have to proceed with caution. With fifty-one dollars in the pot, the flop is jack of clubs, eight of spades, 
four hearts. We flop top pair. C5 is first to act, and he makes a $13 bet. We've got three players in position, and uh, what's our move? That's a weak bet. A very weak bet. Uh, All right, so let me write That's a come hither bet. How much? 13? 13 and 51. Um. This is what happens to me with Jack 10, Chris. This I is know, what happens to me. I know, it's Groundhog Day all over again. I'm like, wow, I could flop a straight or a flush, and I'll take everybody's stack, and I do neither, and I flop top pair with weak kicker. And then I get all excited. Uh, well, we got so many opponents, I feel like we need to... It's not like we're drawing to anything, unless you're looking at a backdoor flush, and even a backdoor straight. But uh, I know we have top pair, but we have no kicker. Very easily, somebody could have queen jack, king jack, or ace jack. Somebody could easily have Jack eight, so I don't know. It, it's, he always puts us in these tough spots because of his, you know, like if he had made it thirty three pre flop, he either have taken the pot down or been heads up probably. Then you know what to do. But he he did it just a minimum amount that if he was on the button, it'd be a good thing because then you're drawn. You could draw with your your connectors, which you like to do. Here, you're not in position anymore. And all you did was invite a lot of people to try to contend for this $55 pot. So, I don't know. I I think my first inclination is to bet. Basically because of what he just told us. That he's trying to fry this guy. And he's got a big stack. And what would fry this guy even more with, except min-raising him again? You know, maybe that'll get people up. Might be enough now. If you make it like 26 to 30... It might be enough to tick off the people to your enough to get them out because now they're looking at a thirty dollar bet cold, whereas your opponent now is kind of like, why do you keep min raising me? You've already taken my money, so maybe that's the thing to do is to min raise. So my first inclination is probably to make it twenty six, just to really keep the this thing going, this theme of busting this guy's chops. Hmm. Yeah, I guess you could probably argue both ways. Uh, I'm going to guess most people are going to go your way, as they usually do. Um, I guess what I'm thinking here is that uh, what's interesting to me is that we raised. Now, we did our little min-raise, which got got them all frustrated last time, right? But yeah. we, we were the the ultimate aggressor in this hand pre-flop. And now this guy is betting into us and betting into us smallishly, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Um and, and again, it's it's Jack Ted. I'm trying to I'm trying to break myself of Jack Ted, but you know we call a 13 here. Um, you know maybe a couple other people come around. I'm almost like it's not set mining obviously now, but you know if we hit another Jack or a 10, I might feel a bit better about this hand. And if I do feel better about that hand at that point, I would like to have more people in this hand. I mean, if a 10 comes, I mean now we're losing to nine queen or seven nine, which is unlikely, right? So. And then our jack, I would feel really good about our jack coming. Um, so to me, I guess it's worth the thirteen bucks just to kind of see what's going on here. So what are you gonna do? I'm just gonna call. You're just gonna call, okay? Um, all right. So uh, Vic says I want to poke this guy again, uh, but need to make a bet that's scary enough to thin the field behind me. So he's playing Chris Ball. Yeah, he's gonna play a little more than that. But yeah, I was thinking. It had to be at least a min race to piss the guy off, but get enough to, clo- to fold them. So he's probably going to make it like forty or something. He says, "Why not another min raise? I make it twenty six to go." Oh, good. He agreed with me. Uh, rewarded with folds and a call from C five. Wow. Okay. Well, again, I mean, I, I guess I should have remembered from last week that you know this kind of stuff works. Might not do that, right? So. Right. All right. And we only put twenty six in. So hey, all right. Good game for us so far. We'll see what happens. With 103 in the pot, the turn is the five of clubs. So our board now is jack of clubs, eight of spades, four of hearts, five of clubs, seat five relents, and checks to us. Because I'm not sure what he's got. Uh, straight draw seem unlikely. If he flopped a set, why not bet a third time and let me min-raise him again? What's the move? Um, I don't know. If you're really trying to get this guy stack and really tick him off, I can't imagine letting off the pedal now. If that's your goal, is that you believe your hand is good because you don't think he has a set, uh, I mean, he could have an overpair to your jack, too, and just, you know, very variance catches up with you when he actually has a hand. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't see any reason not to bet. So probably 50, 40, something that gets him the call but isn't too much and 
doesn't give him odds to if he somehow is drawing to something. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, again, I'm not uh, I'm not trying to adopt a monster under the bed, <laughs> but uh, um, let's say you had a, a he's under the gun, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Our opponent. Um, and let's just assume for a minute he has a pretty strong hand, aces, kings, whatever, pocket jacks, maybe uh, as unlikely as that be since we have a jack. And we raise, and then we got cute with our little min raise. It's so adorable, right? Mm-hmm. And on the flop, we bet out. And then Vic raises again on their min raise. So adorable. Uh, what's the incentive for us to bet now if we have a monster there? Because we got to think that Vic is going to bet again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why take charge of the hand now? And we both times we've done it, we've gotten raised. I mean, I, I guess maybe that's the point is you could bet out and have Vic raises again. But I, I guess I'm just a little more cautious than probably other people are about what's going on here. So... I might want to check behind for pot control, um, thinking that I got a hand with showdown value, almost regardless of what comes on the on the river. But but I could make a case for the same thing that you guys are doing, which is well, I don't know what Big's going to do yet, but I could so, make a case for just betting again and see what happens. I but. could totally see checking here. It's just that when the river comes a blank and he shoves on you, then what do you do? Now you're like, all right, well I got jacks. You know, but I mean, I, this might give him an opportunity to shove on you now, and then you could think, "All right, this guy was walking me the whole time." Right. Then you get a reaction, but on the river, now it looks like he's bluffing because you showed weakness when actually he's got the hand. You've got nothing to go on now, except you know, is he was he you know is he bluffing me because he's waiting for weakness, or was he walking me and now he's just hoping that I'll he'll think that I'm weak and it's another whole level four crap. So I don't know. I Vic's pretty aggressive. And he's been aggressive this whole way. I think he's going to bet. I, I don't. I don't see a problem betting. You got top pair. This guy has shown no reason to say, you know, I've got a monster now. Of course, you know, the monster under the bed. But I would probably make a forty dollar bet or something. Just see if it look, make it like I'm trying to get paid off, and then he might just fold to that. And then if he doesn't, you know, if he raises us, then we got to think about it. But uh, again, this guy showed up with jack four last time, so he could have two pair. Who knows? All right. Well, I, I think probably the right play is to bet. I was just trying to make a cautionary tale that maybe pot control is good. So um, okay. in final analysis, I'm probably going to bet as well, too. So let's see what Vic does. He says uh, 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 he might have a jack, in which case our kicker isn't all that great. Maybe he raised the bigger jack preflop. He just called him and raised and missed the turn. I don't want to give him a free river card. And he might fold to a modest bet, so we make it thirty-five dollars. Wow, I'm like right on par with him. Maybe he's going to lose his hand. <laughs> and our opponent calls. Oh wow! One seventy-three in the pot. The river is the nine of clubs, completing a board of jack of clubs, eight of spades, four of hearts, five of clubs, nine of clubs. That seems like a safe card, as it's <laughs> unlikely he played a hand with queen ten, same hand he had last time. To my surprise, though. He leads out for $42. Well, the hand he had last time was Jack 4. Yeah, maybe there is. I don't know what's going on here. but Clubs uh, gets there, too, if he somehow backed Oh, no, clubs. this is the player that wasn't the Jack 4 guy. This is the guy that folded in the last hand that would have won the hand with Queen 10. Oh, geez. So we're playing against a whole different person the whole time? Oh, the other guy was in the other hand. He just folded. So. Yeah. Oh, man. But this isn't the guy we're trying to get steaming? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're, we're trying to get everybody steaming. Why not, right? Oh, man. I've been thinking this the whole way. Now, this is what it takes to, to play like Vic. You have to be totally confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the guy bets out, just call. <clears throat> yeah, 42 at this point. I mean, we got to go down value, and uh, I'm not going to try to raise him off of this, right? And but it, Vic will probably come up with some fantastic reason to raise him here. Probably. That I, that I didn't think of. That's but, we allow him on the show as often as we do. But I'm that happy to no call. I'm happy. Uh, all right. Uh, see, Vic says, I think our jack might be good, but I'm reluctant to call. Ooh. It's then that I think back to the previous hand where he was adamant that he would have raised with top pair to see where he was. Now I doubt that he's got a jack. Maybe he has 10, 9, or even pocket 10s. After all, after all, he did see me call the river shove with a third pair to the last hand. A small $42 bet rules out backdoor clubs to... I really can't put him on a hand, so why not raise? Maybe he'll fold. <laughs> I slide out a stack of red chips with two white chips on top. 
to make it easy for the dealer. It's 102 to go and $60 more to him. I don't get a snap, so that's good, but he does eventually call. I table my hand saying that I've got kicker problems. Sure enough, he's got a jack, but his jack six is barely out kicked, and I drag $377 pot. Oh, these players he's playing with. i got to get down to the track more often, man. <laughs> I really do. I told you he'd come up with a way, a reason to raise, and he always wins the hand. So on Facebook, we're going back and forth. He's like, no, you got to remember, I lost the hand last week. I'm like, okay, one of the last 50 you lost. <laughs> so he won this one again with another jack six. Last week it was jack four. And the guy calls him. That that's that's probably the the hardest thing to understand here. I mean that it's a, that's a hero raise that Vic made there, and I applaud him because he is always thinking on that other level that I'm not to yet, right? Yeah. But now I'm sitting there with Jack Six. Is he really thinking that? And we've raised him twice already in his hand, right? Yeah. Uh, is he really think that we've got nothing right now, and or is he think we have? Ace eight or something, so we have a second pair. I mean, I guess Vic did say that we did show down with third pair last time, so maybe it is stuck in his head. I mean, maybe that does make sense that we would do that with third pair trying to push him off. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the more I think about it, that that does make a little bit more sense. But um, that's still a tough call to make. How do you I make mean, that call? I mean, six kick. I think I would take off these hands all night long like that and wait for me to have a really good hand and have him try that. That's what I would do, I think. But. Absolutely insane. He, I mean, he's up like like six hundred bucks this table on Jack Four and Jack Six against him. Six, yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing. This player raised under the gun with Jack Six. I and know. Now but and here I am fretting over how I can't get away from Jack Ten, and this guy is raising under the gun with Jack Six <laughs> and calling him River Raises. That's not even Groundhog Day. That's like Flag <laughs> Day. That's Red Flag Day. It's like Lemming Day. <laughs> Lemming Day. Oh, man. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.